Welcome back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and our guest Dustin. Gavin has had to leave, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, Dustin, we're going to get into your ministry as it relates to how you approach a Jehovah's Witness, something I'm very much interested in hearing what you have to say. Listener, we're going to listen to or read, rather, uh, verse 10 of, uh, excuse me, let me back up. It's that first episode with my new mouth. We're going to read Luke chapter 10, verse 2. It's the same verse we read yesterday. We're going to read that again today. And this, Dustin, I'm going to ask you to open us in prayer, and then I'll, I'll read that, that yeah. verse. All right. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we just thank you so much. We have so much to be thankful for, not because it's a cliche or, you know, it's just it's an honor and privilege just to thank and praise you. Um, I thank you for allowing me to come here and share your word. And uh, for these men of God and these pastors, Lord, uh, we need more men, uh, more bold, courageous men, uh, more men that uh, long to, to serve you and hunger for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, sanctify this, Lord, and just use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that again was Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Uh, the passage says, then he said to them, speaking of Jesus, then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, uh, obviously, as we've discussed in the last couple of episodes, the Great Commission, uh, we looked at the parable of the Great Supper uh, in the first episode that you joined us with. Um, there's, I don't think there's any question in my mind. I, uh, I know there's no question in Gavin's mind. And, and probably, if... The majority of believers that are sending under uh, a pastor who's rightly dividing the word uh, would hopefully all agree uh, in this, that we are commanded to share the gospel with others. And yet, all of the research, the Barnett Group, all of the Lifeway, this, everybody that does these types of, of surveys, they they all come to a similar conclusion, and that is that the vast majority, and that number of the percentage ranges, uh, but the vast majority of Christians have never shared their faith uh, or uh, have not done it on any kind of ongoing, regular way. And so I appreciate what you do. I need to do a better job of that. I, I, I admit that freely. I have done it. I need to do a better job of it. Um, but... When you approach a Jehovah's Witness, and I had a, I don't have any Jehovah Witnesses that I know of in my family. I did have a Mormon and in my family. It was an uncle. He's passed away now. I don't know if he ever settled things with the Lord, but most evangelical believers would, that are in the know, would classify Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses in a similar category of being a cult. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so what I mean by that, listener, is these are these are people that profess to be religious, many of them, uh, well, in the case of the Jehovah's Witness, they're, uh, the, the, you know, they use the name Jesus Christ in the name. Um, they're not saying the same things. They're not believing the same things. And uh, it's, it's, they are as lost as any pagan, idol-worshiping person that's ever lived. Amen. And uh, not that you can be more lost or more saved. But they are as lost as anyone that's ever lived. We are all born lost. Um, but the, the heartbreaking thing about 
the Mormon and the Jehovah Witness and anyone else, like, uh, even Muslims, all of them, the heartbreaking thing for me is, is they think they're saved. Mm-hmm. And they are often the hardest person to reach by they, I mean people who think they're saved are often the hardest person to reach. So, so help us understand maybe what you do, and and mm-hmm. and we can kind of try to understand why it's effective and how we can apply that in our own interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I think number one is to engage them. Um, you know, when they come knocking on your door, um, or when you see them out on the street, they are trained and equipped, and you'll even hear this from them is that Christians won't engage with us. They'll just slam the door in our face. Hmm. And so is to understand their lingo and what they're saying, because if you're not careful, they'll say a lot of the same things we say, but they don't mean what we what we mean when we say them. That's the deception of That's it. That's the deception of it, just like a Mormon would, and even a Muslim in some things that they say. Absolutely. And so you have to be very careful with that. So you have to understand um, when they say that Jesus is the firstborn creation of God, what they mean by that. And different things of who Jesus is, his deity, um, and who Jehovah is to them. And so it's just understanding that is is very important and engaging with them. Because from my experience, um, when you really engage with them, and especially the greatest thing, you don't have to understand everything about their faith. Understand yours. Right. <laughs> understand the word of God. Get in the word and let the word get in you and then share that with them. And that is, you know, the word of God is going to going to pierce and penetrate and be the most effectual tool, you know, better than any book or anything else that we can get. Um, and so that would be the number one thing. Um Number two is that they come in the guile of meekness, right? Because they're going to, they love the meek will inherit the earth forever. And that's, you know, one of their key verses. Um, and so they, they come like they are meek and gentle. But really, um, when you start pressing on issues like the deity of Christ and how are we saved and justification by faith long and getting out of workspace salvation, um, they, they really start getting hostile. Um, mm. And they really will start attacking. Um, I actually had to share a story out in Lexington. Um, these two men, I mean, they were like, they were seriously coming. I was talking, I talked to them for about 20, 25 minutes for the first time um, that I'd ever talked to these two men. And more I started pressing on the deity of Christ and they started getting hostile. And then they was, they told me, they threatened to call the cops on me, told me to leave, you know. And uh, this lady gets out of the car and she puts her arm around me. It kind of scared me. <laughs> Because, you know, all this was going on, and then she puts her arm around me, and I, and uh, praise the Lord, I didn't do anything I shouldn't have done. And she was like, I just wanted to let you know, she was sitting in her truck. I had no idea. Said, I've been listening to this whole conversation. He's trying to just share the truth and love with you. You guys need to go, or I'm going to call the cops on you. Oh, that's awesome. And it was like, you know, the Word of God coming to life, you know, even when your enemies are at war, you know, when you're standing on the Word of God, they'll they'll, they'll become at peace with you. And so... I think can can I jump in here real mm-hmm. quick? The first point that you made that uh, about engaging them, and you made the comment that you know they they have told you that that Christians oftentimes slam the door in their face, and I, I think that speaks to a a a real problem in the Christian community. Uh, Rosario Butterfield, I, I had the privilege to uh, listen to her. Are you familiar with her? Mm-hmm. I had a privilege to listen to her at a Southern Baptist convention. I had previously was unaware of her uh to my shame you know she's just down in raleigh uh but anyway she she talked about the uh the 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 need for community 
and the need for Christians to exercise hospitality and the influence that that has on young people, especially, and one of the reasons why she ended up going the way she did in the uh, world of, of lesbianism is because uh, in, in wherever she was living at that time, the Christian community would not engage her, and she was, she was confused, and she was going through a difficult time. The only people that would actually open their door to her, their homes to her, was lesbians. And, and so I think, and she, her comment was, we're more concerned, we as Christians are more concerned about having cat hair on our couch than we are about uh, discipleship and, and helping others come to an understanding of the knowledge and the truth uh, and grace of Jesus Christ. And so the comment that, that this Mormon person uh, that you've been uh, said or has said to you, I think speaks to a larger issue within the ecumenical or excuse me, the evangelistic uh, Christian in that we don't want to be bothered. And so what we end up doing is we're not practicing hospitality. We're not inviting people in. I'm as guilty as anybody at this. And, uh, and so when we get that annoying quote unquote phone call or knock on the door or whatever, uh, we're surprised by it. And we kind of reject that. So I, I didn't mean to hijack this. I really want to hear yeah. more from you, but I, I just that really spoke to me that they even acknowledged that. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, and I have a very limited understanding of, of the Jehovah Jehovah Witness. What is, what is it they call their translation of the Bible? New World Translation. New World Translation. Mm-hmm. I have a my mentor uh, wrote a book, and and it was actually a Jehovah's Witness that did the editing. And uh, he's tried to engage her a, a couple of times. But one of the things that he shared with me is that uh, the, the authors that, that did the manuscript, that, that studied the manuscript of the Greek language that translated the, the New World Translation, many of them, first of all, they're not named. Nobody wanted to put their name to it uh, because it's such a poor translation. Uh, but many of them have even walked away from it because they realize uh, the error of their ways. Uh, because what they've done is effectively uh, just completely butchered the Greek. Yes. And that's how I think it sounds like where they've come up with mm-hmm. their theology. Yeah, and I was going to say the second thing that I do, uh, uh, first thing is just engage them. Right. Number two would be the first thing I, I engage when I approach them is to try to purposely get them away from the New World Translation. And you can do that. Um and so because they love the King James uh, version. And so, you know, I, I will say, you know, first thing, usually I'll ask them, is, you know, what do you guys believe? Why are you out here? If I haven't talked to them, this is the first engagement. If I've engaged them, haven't engaged them before, is that, you know, what are you doing out here? And they'll usually say, well, we're offering free Bible lessons and courses. And I'll be like, well, what's the Bible? What's the Bible? Hmm. And they'll kind of haphazardly explain and then I'll ask them, I'll say, is there a preferred translation? And they'll say, yeah, the New World Translation. And I'll say, you know, well, God promised to preserve his word. Where was that at before this? Because that wasn't finished until the late 1950s, early 1960s. And they'll, they'll typically, now, most of them now will be like, well, any translation's fine. <laughs> and which And I'll usually just say, well, do you mind using the King James Version? And they'll be like, oh, yeah. And so that's where I'll try to go. And so then that eliminates but what will happen if you get a long enough conversation is that once you start they will go back to the new world translation which is okay because then you can go to jw.org and get their greek interlinear 
and still prove that Jesus is Lord even in there and where they've actually they they talk about the tetragrammaton of the Old Testament so much and taking the name of Jehovah out but they've actually curios in the New Testament they put Jehovah in there. Really? Yes. Revelation 1 8, Hebrews. There's a, several places where you can go and show them and say, well, where's Jehovah? Where's the name Jehovah here? This is Kyrios, and it's speaking of Jesus specifically. Right. And so, yeah. That's interesting that they that they uh, are comfortable with the King James. I, and I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. not that I think less of the King James, there are some things I don't like about it, but there's things that uh, translation aspects of the New King James I don't like. And so, you know, I, I think it's it, it's a good uh, it, it's a good translation. Uh, my heartburn with it is the name Jehovah. Mm-hmm. That's one of my heartburns because that's not God's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of curious if if there was some reason why you prefer the King James. But it sounds I'm just, like that I'm might King be James it. preferred. I got you, and so not King James only. Yeah, and okay. so um, you know I think there is a distinction between that. I agree. And what what I do now is I actually I have a Legacy Standard Bible, which you know just recently come out which they love to go back to psalm 83 that men may know my name alone is jehovah which in that says men may know my name alone is yahweh Mm -hmm. and so now i'll take it and i'll say because they'll all say any bible's okay and i say well this one says it's yahweh is it yahweh or jehovah and then it kind of gets you know it gets into one of those issues where they're like oh well not every you know yeah it kind of you know they they see the the I'd love to have that conversation there. with one. Yeah, and so, and then you really get into the tep, you know, and then J's and the Hebrew language, you know, and right. all that. You can, and the thing, the thing of it is, you can bring all of that up, but typically, like I said, if you can just get them, Mormons are the same way, and they'll they'll go back to the King James. Jehovah's Witnesses are more of really they don't they don't care if you use the NIV, the NASB, ESV. It don't really matter. Uh, to them, but what will happen is they'll go. What you have to if you get a lo- if you get a long enough conversation with them, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have their app or their usually they'll have a an iPod or something, and they'll and you ask them say can you read this verse for me, and I've got so familiar with it now I know especially like going to Philippians chapter two that or what John John one one you know and they mm-hmm. add a there you know that they're reading from the New World Translation but they're telling me they're reading from the King James. And so they will eventually go back to it, and then once they do that, I'll say, "Well, let's just look. Let's just open up your Greek on your own website, and let's just see what it says." And so, you can go to Romans ten nine and ten if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and I'll ask them, "Do you confess that He's Lord? That He's curious? No. When you're Greek interlinear, that's what it said to do, or you'll be saved. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And that's so, awesome. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. Yeah. So, all right. So, step one was to engage him. Step two is um, I, I try what I try, and I think this is I've used several different approaches mm-hmm. to me by my experience. Um, this is the most effectual way, and that you can get getting a long conversation with them is very hard. It is extreme. They want to stand out there, get in their hours, in which I have a huge praise. I shared. I didn't share with what it was with Gavin, but that I wanted to share um, because they're they're required not that they have to, but a, a decent Jehovah's Witness. They have a hierarchy. Uh, they're supposed to get 10 hours a weekend of some kind of public service or cards or street ministry or door-to-door knocking your higher-ranking officials or your elders or 30-plus hours a week. Oh, wow. But the the praises now, as of I've been man, I've been earnestly praying for this, and it's you know like Ephesians three twenty now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Um, and I know it's been a lot of people's prayer because um, the truth of it all is I want them to repent 
where I always tell them, and they ask me, when they ask me, what's, what's your goal coming out here talking to us? And usually after they know what I'm coming out there to do, um, I say, I want you to repent or I want you to run. And I say run because I don't want you deceiving my neighbor because I love my neighbor as myself, and I don't right. want them to be deceived. So that's the most loving thing I can do is to, number one, share the truth with you, share the gospel with you, call you to faith and repentance, or to get you off the street and not deceiving my neighbor. Now I'm not going to forcefully do that, right? But that's that. that I do desire that um, because you're an enemy of my savior right now, and you're an enemy of my neighbor, and I don't want my neighbors to be deceived. And so that's yeah, great. Yeah. So you um, tell them that. You, I tell them that yeah, straight up. That's awesome. And usually that's about halfway into the conversation, <laughs> and because they ask me, and I don't want to, you know, I'm going to be candor with them, and um, usually it doesn't go good after that, but sometimes I, I do. And here's the thing. Most of the time you have two out there in which they usually send their ladies. A lot of times you see them two by two. More than not, you will see two females before you see two males. Hmm. Or you'll see a usually if you see a man and a woman as husband and wife. Hmm. Um, but they send their ladies out to do <laughs> their work. Um, but one of them will typically be a lot more knowledgeable and the other one will kind of be there and stand off and be quiet. They're being discipled. They're being discipled, but those are the ones that are listening and that will listen. The catch is, is that they know if they even so much is give anything to this other person that they're with, that they are listening to me and they, they have an ear to hear and will hear, um, that they're going to get turned in when they get back to the kingdom hall and, you know, disfellowship, disassociation. It's a big deal with them. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, you know, it's divorce out of family. Like it's 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 huge. But that's what Jesus calls us to. That's it. You know, he he calls us to abandon uh, the ways of the world. Yeah. You know, and and that's kind of we we touched on this in another episode about you know hating our father and our mother and all that. And and, and in that sense, it's not a literal hate, but in that sense, it would be. Yep. You know, this is not a loving less. This is a hatred for the wickedness uh, that that is a a false religion. Yeah. Uh, it, it, is, it is, as I said, a cult. Mm-hmm. One of my heartburns about Jehovah Witness and, and Mormon and Muslim, they all have a similar origin. <clears throat> and that origin is, is rooted in Satan. I, I believe, you know, the Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light. Well, yeah. you know, there, there's some kind of founding document that allegedly some kind of angel or angelic being provided. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, that, that all three of those kind of have similar beginnings. Uh, when you have <clears throat> all three of them, one with the Jehovah Witness, you, you have a, an organization that that claims Christ in its name, but not in His deity. In the case of Mormons, you have polygamy, and in the case of Muslims, you have abuse. Uh, and in on all three cases, um, or maybe more so in the case of the Muslim and in the in the case of Mormons, it is man centric, very male dominated uh, faith. It is exactly what if if you or I were going to form our own cult, it is exactly what we would do. We would want the men to have total authority over women. 
Uh, we would want to be able to claim there are virgins waiting for us in, in the promised land and that we, we get you know however many it is, or we would claim that we should be able to have all of the wives we want to have. It's exactly because men are, are hunters and gatherers, and, you know, and if we were forming our own religion, what we would end up with is some variation of either the Muslim or the Mormon faith. And, my, and, and the origins for those two are very similar to Jehovah's Witness, though they seem to be less male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? Does that ring true for you? Yeah, it, it, very much so. And, you know, going to your point, that's what I, you know, Galatians 1, 8, 9, though we are an angel from heaven, preach you another gospel, let them be an anathema, you know, a curse. And I, I've, I've taken and showed them that. And I've even had, I had, I had one man, and man, I, I thought that he was really going to have a follow-up conversation, but the other guy ended up pulling him away. And, uh, we was talking for about an hour and a half. Uh, and so he, he asked me, he said, well, let me ask you something. If we're right and you're wrong, or if you're right and we're, we're wrong, what's the difference? I said, well, if you're right and I'm wrong, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I'm going to inherit the earth forever, and I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses. If you're wrong, you have an eternal stake that's going to be in the lake of fire, an eternal separation from you and your Creator. And he literally, he said, well, you got a good point. I got to think about that. Mm-hmm. And so really they, you know, they don't even logically think about, even when it comes to salvation, when I've asked hundreds of them, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, how do I, be- what, what makes you the one true religion and everybody else false? Now, 100% of the time with me, they will say, well, we don't have a right to judge anybody, and we're not going to say we're the one true religion. But even though they believe that, you mm. know, um, they will not come out right and say that. Um, and so, and then I'll, you know, I'll ask them if we're, you know, can we judge? And they'll say, no, you can't judge me. And I'll ask them, are you judging my judgment? <laughs> you know? It's one of those things, you know, Jesus said, judge not only appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know, we judge in everything that we do. Even a compliment is a judgment. And, um, and so typically that will open them up and they'll be like, well, okay, you know, I see what you're saying. And then that's when I'll, I'll ask them that. And then, so they'll typically, their first answer is usually, well, you got to be baptized first. And then you have to proceed that by a lot of knowledge. And then you may be in the kingdom. You may not. That's, that's the answer. And so, um, you know, and I've taken them to First Corinthians 13, whether it be knowledge, it'll seize, you know, and all the different things. And, of course, you know, the first thing you told me. So I asked one of them one time. You know, I used the Ray Comfort apologetic. You know, I got a knife in my back. I got five minutes to live. To live. What must I do? I've realized I've sinned against God, but I need, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And it is crickets every time. Yeah. Every time. And so, and or it's, well, you don't know that you have, I said, they'll say, you don't know that you have that situation. I said, I do. I'm in the situation. Mm -hmm. I know it's a hypothetical, but I'm in it. I'm I'm in front of you right now. I need the truth. There is no truth because there is no hope with them. That's a scary thought to think that they're sold out to hopelessness. Hopelessness. And they're offering in their signs say that they have hope. And so that's <laughs> kind of going forwards and backwards here, but I just, I have so much from talking to them. Um, and so that's typically to, a, a, if I, before I get into, or somebody that would like to approach one, ask them what their hope is in, 
you know, a lot of times they're signed or when you ask them what they're doing when they're out there, they say, we're all, we're out here offering hope. Hmm. Typically they'll say, we're out here offering free Bible lessons and you know, this world's so crazy. There's hope. There's hope in here. But they say that, but then they don't even realize they don't have it themselves. And so then you have to shine that light on them to say, how can you offer me hope when you don't even have it yourself? And so it's, that's the sad part of it. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful uh, way of turning the tables, mm-hmm. you know, for them. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, any other pearls of wisdom that you've gleaned that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, and anybody too that you know maybe you know you don't have a, an in-depth knowledge of them a good approach that if you just want to kind of just talk to them real quick and just plant a seed or try to get something in there um, I, you, Mark 17 is a good one you can go up to them and just say hey is man good and is Jesus good hmm. it's it's a good it's a good approach to say I got a good few questions you know are you willing to answer and they'll be like yeah and say is mankind good and is Jesus good now the first one with mankind is what I'll ask first. Um, and then you get a different answers depending on which one you're talking to because they really don't understand that there's none righteous, no, not one. Um, and, and so typically they'll be like, yeah, man's, man's good. And then so well, what does Romans 3, what does the Word of God say about mankind? You know, What did Isaiah say? All of our righteousness is filthy rags. And usually, the, yeah, yeah, in that sense, by God's standard, man's not good. And so we're good. And then was Jesus good? Yeah. Mark 17, the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, mm. and that is God. So either Jesus wasn't good or or he is, and if he is, he's he's fully God. That's right. You've you got a problem. Yeah, you, you've painted him into a box. Yep. And they they do not know how to react to it because they, they don't, there's no answer to it. And so well, either, there is an answer. There, there is an answer. No, there's not, just not an answer that they know. Not in the New World <laughs> yeah, Translation. Yeah, not in the New World Translation. Aren't there also there are verses? I know that the it's it's poor exegesis um, mm. of the Greek that's led them to this abomination of a translation. Uh, in fact, I think the uh, the way my mentor says it, he calls it the New World Abomination or, yeah. or something like that. But anyway, uh, uh, aren't there verses that they just leave out they leave out a lot and then they 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 straight up it's it's so crazy especially when you get into the greek um where they take jesus's name jehovah or like i said kurios so many times in hebrews um in colossians they literally in the same passage the exact same kurios is used three or four times Mm -hmm. and they literally put jesus lord jehovah lord and it's the same, so you know, and they manipulate it in that sense to make it say what they want it to say, just like in Revelations one eight, which says, "I'm Alpha and Omega," says the Lord, says Curios, the first, the last, and one that is coming, the Almighty. What's so crazy? Because when you take them back to Isaiah nine six, they'll say Jesus is a mighty God. And you use El Gabor, and Isaiah ten twenty and twenty one it says Jehovah's El Gabor. He's the mighty God. But Isaiah nine six. We'll both agree that's talking about Jesus, but they say, well, he's just a mighty God, not the almighty God. So then when I go to Revelation 1.8 and say, well, he's right here, he's the almighty. Well, that's no, that's Jehovah. And so that's when you got to got to go back to their interlinear and show them, say, this this is Jesus. And you yeah. can keep going on in Revelation 1 and show them the one in the seven candlesticks is saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, I'm the first and the last. If he was a creation of Jehovah, how can he be the first and the last? He would have been the second and the last. Right. And so, you know. There's just so many ways to to go about it. 
and that their their new world. I have a bunch marked up. The Holy Spirit's a big one with them. The personal attribution of how can they believe that's God's enacting force. So you know. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Well, how can you grieve a force? I can't grieve a tornado or a hurricane or a wind gush, but I can grieve a person. So in John 14 and John 16, they change it, but what they forgot to in John 16, they still call him a him using a personal pronoun. Mm -hmm. But in John 14, they say it, 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 it. Hmm. But they didn't change it in John 16. And so there's a lot of different places in there where they did corrupt it and change it, but then they didn't go back and put it in a couple other places. So why are you caught, why are you acting like he's a person here, but he's an it, he's a force here? That thing's just a mess, isn't it? It is. It is. It's it's crazy when you really get into it, you know. And then I even go back to the Old Testament a lot in Jacob, you know, and him wrestling with a man. And see, because they're like, you know, well, nobody, how can Jesus be God? Nobody's seen God at any time. They really have no idea. They have no clue of the deity of Christ or really the Bible when you really push a lot of the issues. You know, Exodus 33 and Moses speaking to God as a man, you know, as he speaks to a friend. You know, a lot of different, you know, theophanies or Christophanies in the Old Testament. And they even show them that and try to get them to explain it. I had one or two different ones on video that told me that Genesis 32 was just a complete lie. Oh, wow. That was just, I asked, please explain this to me. He said, "I, I can, that's a lie. Wow. Good gracious. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have a, a website or something we can we can point people to for anybody that may be local that wants to uh, contact you or get in touch with you about how they may be able to somehow uh, come alongside of you or learn from you? Is there some way that our, our listeners could do that if they are able to or um, want to? Uh, the, the, the fastest way I can give my cell phone, I have no problem doing that. You can email me, DustinSizemore23 at gmail.com. Let's, let's, do, let's stick with that rather than okay. the phone. Yeah, that's D-U-S-T-I-N. S-I-Z-E-M-O-R-E-2-3 at gmail.com. Yeah, good. And so I'll, you know, I'll see that pretty pretty quick. I'm not on social media, not on any of those platforms. Maybe one day if the Lord, if I feel at liberty to do so, but yeah. have a whole lot of videos and a whole lot of stuff to compile and put together, so hundreds of hours of You should it. at least have a YouTube channel showing uh, those videos. That yeah. would be really good. I'd be interested yeah. in that personally. Yeah. Uh, so, so listener, I, I just want to in, in, encourage you to reach out to Dustin uh, at, at his email address, which is again DustinSizemore23 at gmail.com. I, I encourage you to, to reach out to Dustin, and uh, if you have questions, maybe you're a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or Muslim and you have questions about the faith. Uh, maybe you just have a, a friend or family member or neighbor and you're not sure how to approach them. Maybe you're just curious. I encourage you to reach out to Dustin, and uh, he's had infinitely more experience uh, dealing with how to um, evangelize in in this space uh, than than myself or even than Gavin, and uh, just reach out to him. But but Scripture is true; it's all breathed out by God, and and you know here Jesus uh, in in this verse that we read again, Luke chapter two uh, ten verse two, uh, the harvest is. Great. It is large. It is huge. But there's not enough laborers in the harvest. And there is a there is a reality of life, and that is this. There's a section in the newspaper. It's called an obituary. And there are new names in it every day. And every one of those people, in well, in many of the cases, in most of the cases, those people had plans. They had plans for next week, next month, next year, five years from now, whatever it is. 
they didn't realize that they weren't going to survive whatever happened. They didn't realize that they wouldn't be around to fulfill those plans. You and I, everybody listening to this, Dustin and myself, there's a time when we will be out of time. It will be too late. Now, glory to God, if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we, we celebrate that. We, we look forward to seeing Jesus face to face and enjoying uh, the presence of God for all eternity. However, there are estimates place the number at over 7 billion people on the planet lost. They do not have the hope of Christ. They, they don't know Christ personally as Lord and Savior. Many of those are deceived. They think they do, and they're not. That's why in Luke, Jesus says, be sure the light that you have is not actually darkness. And one of the things that breaks my heart is for people who are deceived, who think they're saved, but they are not. And so if you'd like to be part of a ministry that, that reaches lost people with the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ, uh, then feel free to reach out to Dustin. I know that he would love to hear from you, answer questions that you have, and help you, equip you to be ready to be one of the laborers in the Lord's harvest. Uh, I encourage you to continue to open your Bible to wrestle with these things, and we look forward to catching up with you in the next podcast episode. Until then, God bless.